Jonathan Rios is a licensed psychotherapist, author, men's coach, and founder of Primal Virtues. If somebody I esteem esteems me, that there's something magical in that. There's something that really shifts your inner psychology. Uh, it warms the heart. It speaks to you at a soul level. So, but you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that esteem from other men if you're not a around quality men or submitting yourself to say coaches or other men who can a correct you but also speak life into you. Jonathan is deeply committed to helping men remain undomesticated. If you're disappointed with your father long enough, it'll mutate into resentment. If you're disappointed with your spouse long enough, it'll mutate into resentment against them. Same with your boss, same with your bros, whatever. Disappointment untouched mutates. His core motivation in life is to live courageously, having fulfilled his purpose with excellence. What have been the lessons that you've taken from your father that you apply in your life today? Two things come to mind. Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. Jonathan. I was recently browsing through your Instagram and one post struck me about being stuck. And I know that a lot of men out there at the moment feel stuck in their lives, feel stuck in themselves, feel stuck in the past. And I want to know about a time when you felt that way, when you felt stuck and how you became unstuck in your life and began to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I, I can think of multiple instances of feeling like that, but I'd say the most recent for me was probably about maybe two and a half years ago. So for, for the last, let's say the last 10 years, I kind of split time between working at a clinic and doing private practice. And um, <clears throat> so, I, yeah, I basically had two jobs. So I'd see my private clients and then I'd go work at an addiction treatment center uh, during the day. Um, but I remember there was this season of life uh, about two and a half years ago where I'd go to work and I remember telling my wife, like, listen, I mean, the stuff I'm normally passionate about, it just seems like to have died. And um, like, I should, I should care about my clients, but right now I don't give a flip. Like I'm, I'm just feeling a little bit dead inside, low on energy, a little bit of brain fog. And what it was, I was just dealing with some burnout, you know? Um, and and, and at the same time, I felt like my season at that treatment center was just dying away and I wasn't, I wasn't willing to admit it. So I, my wife and I talked about it and, and she's like, you know, maybe it's time to transition to full-time, just doing your own deal. And, um, and I was kind of doing that already, but not at the you know, full capacity. So I basically decided to, uh, to go to just launch the full-time private practice about two and a half years ago. And, but, but it, it, the, the, the catalyst was I noticed there was a shift in terms of passion and energy. Um, and uh, yeah, man, so that, that was, I had to notice 
the I had to notice the irritability inside. I had to notice the uh, the loss of passion. I had to notice that um, the creativity was stunted. And a lot of times I think we, we don't slow down enough to notice that stuff. And we just kind of keep barreling through. And for me, it was like, it, to me, I took it as a sign. Like I, I'm real big on signs. So is this the right season? You know, because life a lot of times operates like seasons, right? Winter, spring, summer, fall, all that stuff. It's all, if we'll pay attention, a lot of times we're not paying attention. So that, that, that would be, uh, for me, it was just looking inside, having conversations, noticing what I was feeling, um, noticing that my, my passion was more, I, I was really wanting to get more creative with uh, some of my writing and, and um, I've got two programs I launched and I couldn't have done that stuff if I was splitting the fence between two different jobs. Mm-hmm. Is that the reason why so many men feel stuck, do you feel? Because they're not slowing down. They're going out, putting out fires every single every single day, and not making that time to pay attention. Or is there more to it? I I think that's one one could be one reason. Another reason that I I think is might even be bigger is I think I think casual men will be casualties. So I think there's a lot of passive men who don't they don't think of themselves as, as passive, but they're passive about their dreams. They're passive about their relationships. They're passive about their mental health, their physical health. They're passive about their spirituality. Passive, passive, passive. Meaning they have a, they have a, a pattern of retreat that's inside them. A pattern of inaction. A, they lack initiative, and they don't understand most things in life unless you move towards them, unless you actively engage the process. You will not see it happen. Guy, a lot of people are just waiting to win the lottery, right? Relationally, just waiting to win the lottery, uh, waiting to win the lottery spiritually. They're like just waiting for an audible voice to split the skies, you know, to tell them their destiny, um, waiting for the, the girl of their dreams to, to just to reach out to them. And it's like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't believe that is the way. Um, and I don't, it's been a while since I've been in Ireland, but over here, our grocery store, I like to use this analogy, um, our grocery store, see, they have those electronic sliding glass doors. Well, they, they only open when you're in sensor range, right? If you stand back, you know, 30 yards, it's not going to open. I don't care how much you yell at the door. I don't care how much you wave at the door. <laughs> it's just not going to open. You must get within sensor range. And that, to me, that's a faith step. It's a, it's a leap forward. It's a risk. There's a risk element involved. Uh, but if you'll do it, to me, that that's how you'll start to see these open doors. Um, and j- just to quote Sun Tzu, because he's everybody's favorite, um, he said, opportunities multiply as they are seized, right? So what if you took, I'm going to challenge your listeners, what if you took one year, one year, and you took that mantra, okay, I, when opportunities arise, I'm going to seize them, even though I don't know what's around the bend, I'm going to, I'm going to take a risk. Right. And then of course you have to have wisdom because just cause you, sh- just cause you can say yes to something doesn't mean you should, you should say yes to something. So there is, there is a caveat of you need wisdom. You need some counselors around you to help you make some good decisions. But what if you just began to seize opportunities? How, how could your life go? Love that analogy. 
opportunities though they're often masked as problems aren't they uh-huh such yeah. as you may have difficulties in your marriage right now big problems uh-huh. Uh-huh. but that's a opportunity to invest more in the marriage or to sort out whatever difficulties you're having with your with your wife with your spouse but many men will take that as an opportunity to get out uh-huh that's a good point yeah i mean i well i i wonder <laughs> i'm human so i i could relate to this but i i don't think humans mostly and we don't really enjoy taking responsibility we like talking about it we like reading books about it we like watching motivational youtube videos about it but to to go okay my marriage or my relationship uh requires that part of me has to die away my the ego part of my ego has to die away part of my selfishness has to die away right i have to be sacrificial here and sacrifice stings it stings so when you're being faced with problem areas um most of us blame shift man i mean it took with my clients i I run into this every week and what I've come up with a term, I call it spotlighting. It's where, you know, imagine you've got a spotlight, a spotlight shining on you. Okay. And imagine you've got roommates or, and your roommate decides to sit you down and says, Hey, Gavin, um, you know, I, I need to talk to you about a few things. Uh, number one, you leave the toilet seat down all the time. Uh, you leave your dirty underwear on the bathroom floor all the time. You don't clean your dishes. Right. And he's trying to confront you out of brotherly love to go, you're a slob, bro. OK, can you just clean it up? Well, rather than owning that, rather than going, OK, man, I'm going to. Yeah, dude, let me work on that, man. I'm sorry. I, I was just being absent minded. We will blame shift and spotlight where we will uh, shift the light back onto our roommate. Instead of owning our side, we will then begin to highlight their inadequacies. Right. Uh, hey, will you eat all my Cheerios and you've. You pay rent three days late every month and you X, Y, Z and you start and those things are true, but you didn't deal with your stuff. So then you just end in this. It's a cycle where I don't own my stuff. You don't own your stuff. And we stay stuck. You can, you will you will get out of the cycle if you start to own your side of the street. So I love that you said a lot of guys feel stuck. That's one of the main reasons a lot of guys feel stuck. They just they, they don't they can't see their blind spots and they're not humble enough to hear it from another man. There's a difference between hearing blind spot from a, from a woman and then from hearing a brother from a brother who you trust, who is masculine energy. I mean, there's a big difference. Is that the catalyst that you need to bring a mentor, a coach, a role model of some sort into your life to be able to initiate that? Because that's a very difficult decision or it's something that's very difficult to cultivate in your own life if you're doing it on your own. Yeah, it, it is. It is really diff. It is difficult to cultivate, but but I'll I'll tell you this. Um, I don't. I mean, I'd want you listeners to consider if they've ever had like maybe even thinking during to, to past times in their life where maybe a a friend or a, a coach, soccer, football coach, or whatever, highlighted something to you. Maybe that you had potential in a particular area or something like that, and um, it it meant there was a great weight to it, right? Um, and Tolkien, the guy who wrote Lord of the Rings, he said, uh, he said, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards, right? So if somebody I esteem esteems me, 
that there's something magical in that. There's something that really shifts your inner psychology. Uh, it warms the heart. It speaks to you at a soul level. So, but you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that esteem from other men if you're not a around quality men or submitting yourself to say coaches or other men who can a correct you, but also speak life into you. And so it's two sides of the coin. There's a corrective process and there's an accountability process. And then the other side is the encouragement, life-giving, speaking life to you process. That's what, that's what people miss out when they think coaches, they think, oh, it's just someone's going to hold me accountable. That's part of it. They're also going to speak into your weaknesses and build you up. They're going to hold you up when you're feeling weakened. They're going to, you know, help position you to see things differently and, and breathe life into your, your tired spirit. Right. So that's, yeah, that, that's my, I guess that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah. I think men need men. I think it's uh, also more important than ever to, to uh, cultivate this because there's a lot of lone, lone wolves out there. A lot of men trying to fix problems on their own or expecting their wife to fix their problems for them. And Sort of you, you've touched on the relationships, you touched on marriages, but there are so many marriages and relationships failing today. Yeah. Do you think that that's one of the core reasons for it that men are trying to do things on their own or they're expecting their woman, their wife to emotionally support them or to fix their problems for them? Again, there's a lack of responsibility, lack of ownership. Or again, is there more to it? I, yeah, I think the stuff we're talking about now is de- these are these are parts of the the parts of the pie. Um, I would say, you know, I work with I, w- I don't primarily do couples counseling, but I do work with lots of couples. All right, so I notice patterns. Really, I'm always kind of keeping my eye open for what are the patterns here that seem to be common. Because and then and then when you see people get breakthrough, well, how did they do it? And then let's like try to repeat that, right? So it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just, it's observational learning, right? So don't be offended by what I'm going to say, but um, I, I think a lot of people, remember what earlier I said, casual men will be casualties. A lot of couples are too casual about the relationship and they don't, they stop battling for the relationship. They, they thought that, that the relationship uh, because it started off strong, because it started off with passion, because it started off with clear communication, that it would just stay like that and it would just flow. But that's because people don't understand life is like um, it's like a it's like a, a whitewater river. OK, so um, you can go with you're, you're going with the current, whether you realize it or not. It's not until you turn around and swim against the current that you realize how strong it is. Okay. Life will just take you down like comfort, leisure, entertainment, uh, infatuation, apathy, lethargy. These things are natural and normal in life. Okay. We live in the most affluent time in human history with technology. And right now I'm talking to you in another country. I could fly to you in a couple of hours. I got hot running water anytime I want. It's the, it's the, I call it the, the, the era of decadence. All right. Mental, moral, spiritual decay because of excessive engagement in luxury and entertainment. What that does that weakens us. You, what, you know, what happens to your teeth? If you eat too much ice cream, they get weak and they decay. 
right? Well, what happens to a relationship that engages too much entertainment, that engages too much leisure, that, that stops fighting, stops battling? Well, the, the relationship itself will begin to decay. And so I think as men, our, our role especially is to wake up to the battle. Your relationships are under siege. Even your bro relationships, like they just die out if you don't tend to them. It's not like it's just a slow drift, man. Uh, um, I call it, I call them rust friends, where old buddies from old sports teams or old jobs or, or military service or, or, or university, and you were you were tight, you were bros, you were you were brothers in arms, and then a couple of years goes by, and they're off living somewhere else, and you talk you know, occasionally, but you don't know what's going on in their life. They don't know what's going on in your life. It's tough. It's distance. And they're still, they are your brothers, but they don't really know what's going on in your life. And so you're really kind of a lone wolf, like you said earlier. And um, those relationships will die away if you are not strategic and intentional about keeping them intact. And relationships are like a fire. What do you have to put in fire to keep it going? Logs. Your, your marriage is like that. If you, I, I get, I get couples almost every week that go, yeah, our, we don't love each other. The passion died. And I'm like, hold up. I'm like, okay. So like, walk me through the logs that you've been putting on the fire to ensure that the fire stays hot. Do you guys spend quality time together? Well, no, uh, he works 70 hours. I work 70 hours. Okay. So you don't, you don't actually ever talk and hang out. Do you guys have effective communication? No, like she's normally on her phone and like, we don't really talk. Okay. Um, physical touch. Do you guys like hold hands? Do you make love? How often do you make love? Oh man. Like, you know, once every other week and we, we don't really, we're not really end up cuddling and holding hands and you start to see, dude, you don't put any logs on your fire at all. And you're shocked. You're telling me you're shocked that you're now attracted to your neighbor. Come on, man. Your neighbor paid attention to you. Your neighbor said nice things to you. Your neighbor look good in that miniskirt, bro. I mean, look, feed the fire, right? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> they're, you're putting water on the fire by trying to seek attention elsewhere. And it just completely fizzled out. And that's done in the, in the, in the way of an affair or mm-hmm. getting caught watching excessive porn or, or something like this. So, but I think for a lot of men, I speak for myself as well. Um, I've, I've experienced this, that they have incredible difficulty in expressing themselves, in expressing their emotions, their difficulties, their needs, their wants. So that for me has been one of my, one of the things that I had to uh, become aware of in order to repair situations and relationships in my life. Uh-huh. Is that something that you see as a common trait with other men? just difficulty in being open, honest, transparent, and expressing their needs, their wants, their feelings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking out loud here, just what kind of what helped me grow in that area. And honestly, I think it was having other male roommates and then having conflict resolution conversations where for, I tell people the thing that prepared me the the most for marriage was actually having male roommates, which sounds weird, but all the conflict resolution and helping me break out of my passivity and um, 
move into the difficulty, move into the phrase, say the awkward stuff rather than walk around feeling resentful, you know? Um, And I, I think also, man, like this is, I think it's a skill guys could begin practicing today. Um, Active listening a lot. I mean, if you talk to most females, what they really want is they want to be heard and understood. Right. So it's like, well, for if they to, to hear them, you have to let them talk. And, and you can't roll your eyes and you can't make weird noises and you can't check your phone. You can't get up to go to the bathroom. Right. So you might want to set aside times to actually hear your woman out. That's one. And then, you know, like as simple as what does it look like to be an active, aggressive listener? Well, you, you might start to summarize back to your woman what she's just said to you to ensure that you got the message accurately. You know, because a lot of times you got the message, but it, it wasn't totally accurate. Or you heard something she wasn't saying because you personalized it, right? So as far as guys not being in touch with their emotions, first start by trying to understand her emotions. And here's the, here's this, this is the golden ticket tip that took me a long time to learn. Um, I, I don't know if you relate to this guy and let, let me know if this is you or not, but I remember for years, I'm, I've been married going on 14 years now for years. My, my wife, her name's Kyla. She would, she would be saying things, making suggestions or uh, observe observations. And I remember as she was saying these things, I was, I would be getting overwhelmed. Cause she, I could tell she was wanting an answer from me, but I wasn't, I didn't know what I thought about that. And I would get irritable and anxious as she was saying what she was saying. And out of that irritability, anxiety, I would either say something off the cuff that wasn't helpful or I would just clam up. Right. So, and I think a lot of guys have that. And it took me a while to figure out my wife is a, is a external verbal processor. Meaning she figures her, she figures out what she's feeling and thinking as she talks it out. I'm the opposite. I figure out what I'm thinking and feeling when I'm alone by myself, just fiddling around with something or walking in the woods or walking the dog or praying or meditating. That's when I figure stuff out. So what I learned to do is when my wife was saying stuff, I would go, Hey babe, could you give me like, um, let me circle back on that in like two hours. Or, hey, can I get back to you on that tomorrow? I want to think about it. Because I figured out I'm like a crock pot. Stuff has to come into me and I have to let it simmer a little bit. And then I'll figure it out. It doesn't mean I'm dumb. It just means I process differently, right? And so, yeah, when guys aren't sure what they think, it might be that you need to actually spend some time processing. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you're, you're not witty. That means you do it different. And it's beautiful. It's just different. But I I usually, I see a lot of couples that wrestle with that dynamic. And so sometimes she needs to understand if you got ladies listening to this, she needs to understand when you pitch an idea or when you're making a recommendation to your man or your son, you need to give him the time to digest it and process it and, and be okay with him taking a little bit of time to get back to you. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely, man. I can relate to that. I think it's also, the expectations that a man feels he has as well. I mean, if the woman is demanding something or she wants to be heard or seen, or she's needing something from him, um, 
men I feel already have this huge level of pressure from expectations. You have to, you're expected to be the man, to know all the answers, to show up every single day, to, to get after it. Um, but it's also like the underlying expectations that have been ingrained there from a very early age in terms of you've got to perform at an optimal level or else you're inadequate as a man. So I feel like men struggle there because they, they feel like they need, they need to know the answer. They need to be more assertive or, or be more decisive. That, that, that really makes a lot of sense. It made me think, and and I, I do think there's some weight to this. If you are chronically an indecisive man, not even just to your relationship, but like at work or with your habits, you're just, or even when you are shopping, it should take you 10 minutes, but it takes you an hour and a half because you're just so damn indecisive. Then you need to clamp down and work on making decisions faster, more effectively. Um, And one of my, this comes to mind, one of my historical heroes is uh, General Patton. He was a famous general in World War II. And mm-hmm. he would always tell his men, um, and I've, I've kind of adopted this as a, as a mantra for me. He would tell his men, um, a good plan executed now is better than a great plan executed next week, right? So it's better to be a decisive and action-oriented man than it is to be a man that makes perfect executions six months too late, Right? Because life is, is happening now. It's not happening six months from now. It's happening right now to you. It's happening to your family. It's happening to your woman. It's happening to your business. If you can't make executive decisions based because you're anxious, because you're worried that you're going to make a mistake, guess what, man? Guess what? The mistake may be not making a decision. decision a dis- Let me say it this way. Not making a decision often damns you more than making a decision. Mm -hmm. What are some of the decisions that men in today's world need to make? Almost non-negotiable decisions from what you've heard and what you've seen from the men you work with? Non-negotiable decisions. Well, a lot, dude, I mean, like, let's keep it, I'll keep it real. A lot of guys just don't know what they're about. Like you talk to a guy or you, and you just get the sense like this guy just is, doesn't stand for anything. If you stand for, if you, by the way, if you stand for everything, you'll stand for nothing. A lot of guys, you got to figure out what are your core standards? Like, like what's your creed, man? Like, are you, a, here's, here's a basic one to adopt. Every man should adopt this. Um, I just, I decide to be ruthlessly courageous, ruthlessly courageous. Okay. Conformity is doing what everyone else is doing just because they're doing it. Courage is doing the right thing in spite of what everyone else is doing. Right. Um, That's one. So you've got to uh, like, here's another one. Um, I, for me, I want to be a man of honor. Right. Uh, Here's what honor is. Honor is, uh, holding to to unyielding standards of what are good like holding to what is good integrity is i hold on to that honor even when no one else is around right 
So I'm going to be an honorable man and do what, what is morally righteous, do what is good and courageous, even if it's not popular, right? And even if no one else is around, okay? Now, look, I'm human. I'm not perfect. I mess up, man. So do you. So does every guy listen. So I'm not like judging you. I'm just going, we have to strive for something. Strive for something. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything, right? So yeah, I think those two, if you just start to become a man of honor and a man of courage, holy shit, your life is going to transform, right? You look around the landscape at all the men that just give in to everything. Just, you know, and look, I'm keep it real. Um, like the past two years with, with the pandemic and everything, it, and I live in, you know, your listeners should probably know, I, I live in South Florida. So down here, it's a, it's a funny, it's in the States, but every state's their own thing. <laughs> so uh, it's a wild, it's a wild, it's wild country down here. It's gator hunters and surfers and hunters and, uh, you know, but um, it, just watching, watching people just go along with narratives just because their neighbors are going along with narratives. It breaks my heart, man. I'm like, you think, here's the deal. You think when times of crisis come that you're going to be courageous and that you're going to be bold and that you're going to make right decisions. But the truth is you'll always fall to the level of your training. If you don't practice being courage in the small days, you will not be courageous in the, in the times of the times that are coming. If, if you're not a man of honor and integrity in the small things, when it comes to big things, big times of testing, you will crumble. Uh, the Navy SEALs have a saying, you don't, in times of crisis, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training, right? So yeah, I think, I think that's a place to start. Yeah, that, that experience of, of COVID and isolations and everything else exposed a lot, didn't it? It exposed many weak men. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to end there. There's more, there's more shit storms on the horizon. Yep. And that's why I think these conversations are really important. That's why I think it's important for men to take ownership. And as you said, to stand up for something, but there's a lot of fear there as well. I mean, uh-huh. you're, you're going to get pushed back. If you, if, if you're doing something that is against the status quo, uh-huh. you're going to receive pushback. Uh-huh. And that's when you're tested. And many men, we're talking to men here, many, many men during the, the pandemic and the COVID, you know, they fell to the, uh, to the status quo. They couldn't, uh, even though they felt that it was, it was the wrong thing to do to, to go with it. Mm-hmm. They did it anyway. They couldn't handle the pushback. Here's a but, secret. Uh, sorry. I don't, I don't want to cut you off. You look like you had another thought. No, no, that's all good. You can take it from there. Well, I, you know, like, let's be honest. We all want to be more courageous, right? I mean, I do. Or we watch we watch movies like Braveheart. We're like, man, I want to be like that, right? Well, notice with William Wallace, who's he fighting for? He's not primarily fighting for himself. He's fighting for his country. He's fighting for his brothers. He's fighting to redeem the his wife who was murdered, right? So... When you love someone, if you want to be courageous, here's the tip. If you want to be more courageous, you have to love someone more than you love yourself. 
you have a, you have two kids you said earlier gavin right so so that protector side of you comes out the lion comes out when you have suddenly these children that you need to protect from the dangerous world right and you will stand in front of a bus you will stand in front of a bullet a knife whatever it takes to protect them out of love love will produce courage but when you love only yourself when it's all about you it's like man i'm going to feed this belly i'm going to i'm going to be entertained me me i'm going to get the house i'm going to get the car me 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 monster then you cannot be courageous because you love yourself your self preservation focused right cowards are always self preservation focused right so I mean, the, the, the historical narratives I love to study are, I love to study courage. I love to study when men and women stood out and, and stood against the tide, right? And we have an opportunity right now, wherever you live, to be courageous in your neighborhood, to be courageous in your family, to be courageous at the business. And listen, and I'll tell you, this is a guarantee. If you'll practice in the small things, your reach will expand. But a lot of people neglect the, the day of small things. They don't think it matters. So they actually never outgrow it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's about putting those practices in place so that you're, again, this is your training. You're, you're going out there doing things that are uncomfortable, that require courage because you know it's going to suck. But this prepares you for the as I said, the difficulties that will come at you from life and from narratives or from society or from other people in the future. So yeah, it, it, it builds resilience. I think that's the resilience and courage probably go hand in hand. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, they, they work off each other for sure. Um, you know, it, it, courage is, is also, it's also funny because there's no fearless people, right? Like that's the myth that some people are just born by temperament and they, they just don't have fears. No, man, I, I, I work with anxiety disorders. That's one of my specialties. Everybody has variations of fear. Everybody has worry. And it's, it's learning to disobey your fear and your worry for a transcendent cause. And as you just, here's the, here's the kicker. As you disobey and walk towards the scary dragons, you actually rewire your nervous system. And so at, when you rewire your nervous system, the old fears start to get suffocated. Those old pathways start to die, right? So we start to outgrow the old stuff and build new pathways. So you actually get stronger. It's not that the dragons get smaller, you get stronger, your sword gets sharper, you become more formidable. And lo and behold, you're slaying dragons left and right, and you're no longer a man that bows to fear. Boy, you got a guy like that, full of courage, full of honor, you're gonna have a game changer. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you always been this way? Courageous, strong, resilient? a man of honor or has this been cultivated through difficult experiences in your own life? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly been cultivated through lunacy, <laughs> um, making lots of mistakes being I've been, I've been a coward. I know what it's like to not just, here's a, here's an example. And, and I'll, I'll leave out some of the details, but 
So I, I went to a military academy for, for my undergrad degree. Also played soccer, uh, football there. And um, I was involved in a coup. We tried to get our, our head manager fired, our head coach fired. We, we didn't think he was performing well enough and, um, and uh, went to the athletic director and they ended up taking my scholarship seven other players. They just took everything. And um, they reinstated us because, you know, basically they took away the core of the team. And, uh, and I was, I was the, the leading goal scorer. And so they, 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 they had to reinstate us, but they took away a trip to France. They took away my captaincy. Um, and I learned through that experience, I had taken the cowardly route instead of going directly to the man and duking it out with the man. I went around him and went to the athletic director instead, instead of the coach. And um, I've since reconciled with my coach. We're now friends, which is beautiful. But I learned through that, I learned through that moment of cowardice. I will never be that man again. I will always go to the man directly. I will always go to my boss directly. I'll always go to my wife directly. I'll if I have an issue with you, Gavin, I'm not going to go to social and post about it. I'm going to come to you directly and then I'll post on social. <laughs> Right. I'll so keep, yeah. keep an eye on that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do you learn to be courageous? Well, sometimes you got to go through the cowardly route first to learn what not to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've learned from that mistake. Yeah. I'll mm -hmm. never do that again. Yeah. And then have you taken lessons from your, from your father as well that you apply to your life today as well? As far as, as far as the category of courage? Yeah. Courage, integrity, strength, honor. Uh, have you, or what, what have been the lessons that you've taken from your father that you apply in your life today? Yeah. Well, uh, two, two things come to mind. One is my father has always been relatively calm under pressure. Um, I remember in high school driving home and two knuckleheads cut me off on the road. It followed me home got out of their car to come fight me in my front yard. I was like probably 18, me and my best friend on the car. So it was two versus two. They start walking down the driveway and we're about to throw down. And at that point I had no hand-to-hand -hand combat training. I was just looking for like a karate kick and run, you know? Um, well, my dad, I hear a voice from behind us and it's my father's voice, this strong voice. And he says, is there a problem here, gentlemen? And I see these other two boys, their, their eyes light up. And uh, my dad is in, he's in the window of the house. The window's open and he's holding a bat in his hand. <laughs> Just calm. He's like, is there a problem here, gentlemen? And uh, I look up and it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and those other two guys get in their car and they roll out. And, um, but like just having my dad's calm, calm, fearless presence was it, it imparts something to you. Right. So that there was that. And then I also remember my dad would, uh, by the way, my father's still alive. We're still very close. We still talk frequently um, and see each other frequently. I, I remember I would mow the lawn with the lawnmower and I would come in like, all right, dad, I'm done. I got to go do my stuff or I'm going to the, down the street to the park or whatever. And uh, he would say, well, let me look it over. So we go out and look it over and it was a shit job. So he'd highlight where I had cut corners, where it wasn't good. And then he would show me how to do it. And I, and I remember back then thinking, man, my dad, like he's OCD. He just, he cares too much about the details. 
Now I understand he was teaching me how to be a good steward. He was teaching me how to be a man of ethics, how to be a man that does not cut corners. So um, now he wasn't using that language. He was just demonstrating it. Right. So, I mean, like a lot of men these days, I mean, one in America, I don't know what the stats there are, but in America, it's one in one in four American homes are without a biological father. Now, so you got a, you got a lot of guys just trying to figure it out by themselves. Right. So they're coming to guys like you guys like me. Hey, man, like um, what teach me how to do some of this stuff. And bravo, man. Good, good for you guys for for seeking wisdom and, and advice and counsel. Um, it's out there, like keep hunting and you'll find it. Right. So, yeah, those are the two for my father. Those are the two that really come to mind. Mm. I mentioned your father because there's a lot of men, as you mentioned yourself, that have absent fathers in their lives, that the, the fathers are are not there. And even if the fathers, you know, are still in the relationship, still in the house, the fathers themselves are absent on an emotional level, perhaps more so than on a, on a physical level. So a lot of men, and again, something I can relate to too, um, is they, they suffer the consequences of this as well. You know, that, um, that their fathers were absent and they've, as you said, been trying to figure out on their own and therefore avoid, they, they fell down many pitfalls on their journey towards adulthood and continue to do so today. Uh-huh. And, Again, you've you've given us one piece of advice or recommendation there in terms of seeking someone out there to help you learn the skills and attributes that you need to become a stronger man in today's world. Is there anything else you could add to that? Yeah. For these men who didn't have their fathers to to lead them through through life. Yes. Well, it'll. I'll come at it sideways. I I see that a lot. See that I, I see a lot of families where the dad is the dad is there. He he puts food on the table, but he's not present. Right. Like you said, he's emotionally detached or he's just busy with work. And the kid, all the kid wants is to hang out with dad. And dad's just not around. And what this does to, to boys, it makes them very angry. You know, very angry and full of full of fury. Because they're like, I need a king. I need someone to show me. I need a general to a love me, but also demonstrate and show me how to be a man. And if, and if you won't show me that I'm going to go find someone who will, they'll go join a gang or they'll come up under the wing of someone else or whatever. It's not always a gang. Sometimes it's a healthy person, like a school teacher or a soccer coach, but they, 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 the idea is they get very angry. So I'm going to encourage guys. A lot of men I think are angry with their fathers. They are, they have inner resentment. They have bit, they may have bitterness against their father and you, as long as you have bitterness, anger, and resentment inside of you, you will be stuck. That's like a cinder block around your ankle until you break away from that, until you actually work on forgiving your father. Even if your father never asked for it, even if your father doesn't think he needs it, you need to forgive and release so that you can move forward without the bitterness and resentment in your heart because that stuff's like poison we know this mentally but i mean and we know the clinical research shows this but it's guys don't understand a lot of people don't understand for they misunderstand forgiveness they think forgiveness is saying to the offender hey what you did is okay and i'm letting it i'm i'm letting you off the hook 
No, you're not saying it was okay. You're letting yourself off the hook. You're, you're releasing your own soul and spirit from being attached to anger, resentment, bitterness, to attached to an old event so that you can continue moving forward, right? Without malice in your heart, right? So that's one of the reasons a lot of guys wrestle with uh, anger is that they, they have some untold resentments going on. And by the way, real simple to remember this, um, anytime you have an expectation that isn't met, you tend to get disappointed. And disappointment will often mutate into resentment, right? If you're disappointed with your father long enough, it'll mutate into resentment. If you're disappointed with your spouse long enough, it'll mutate into resentment against them. Same with your boss, same with your bros, whatever. Disappointment untouched mutates. So we have to be really attentive to that. Um, don't be like me. Don't go around the block. Go directly to the person with honor, with integrity, with respect, and do your best to duke it out. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, I love those insights. And if men want to move directly towards you and get in touch, how is best to, to reach out to you and, and to find your, your good work? Yeah, I live in Jupiter, Florida. So if you want to come to my house, uh, we're about five miles from the beach. So come on over. Um, but uh, my website is, is, is called thrive.co. It's T-H-R-I-I-V.co. My Instagram handle is Primal Virtues. Um, I've got two programs right now. One that I'm really focused on right now is a mountain survival training course in the, the, the hills of North Carolina, well, the mountains of North Carolina. Um, we try to facilitate those quarterly and love doing that because it's a mixed bag of psychological training, uh, mental toughness training, summiting mountains together, brotherhood, live music with quality artists. The whole, the whole, the whole weekend is just a, it, it's, it's really modeled after information informs experience transforms, right? That's kind of my motto, my tagline. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I have a book on Amazon called Primal Virtues for the Modern Man. But outside of that, you know, guys can DM me or whatever. Um, and if I can get back to you, in, in the midst of family life and work life, I will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to check out that mountain myself someday and uh, okay. want to get, get to the States. That's all about, as you mentioned, cultivating this, this courage and this resilience and this strength for men today. That's the purpose of it. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a mixed fold because, because um, you, know, like you know as well as I do, it's, we're very content-heavy culture. YouTube, Instagram, whatever, you know, TikTok, books, plat podcast, all really good, like really amazing. I mean, you don't want to knock that. But a lot of men have difficulty taking the conceptualizations, the cognitive understanding and applying it. Like a lot of people talk about mental toughness, but let me see you under pressure. And I'm going to I'm going to orchestrate situations where you're going to have to demonstrate and then and reiterate. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I've found also when you take men and you push, put them in moments of adversity together, they bond faster. They bond much faster, right? Walls come down, the more, the more likely to have organic, raw, uh, intentional conversation once they're put through the fire first. So that's part of the, 
that's part of it. Love it, man. That's brilliant. Yeah. So as I said, I have to check that out once I uh, sort my flights to the States, to yeah, Florida. <laughs> Let's do it. Thanks, man. And this has been an absolute pleasure. I would love to talk to you more, um, but we are two busy men and uh, we've got other shit to do as well. So let's <laughs> let's keep getting after it yeah man i'm stoked for you man nice nice meeting you and i love what you're doing over over your neck of the woods and keep pushing man thanks jonathan appreciate it man yeah brother thank you for tuning in to another episode of the modern warrior podcast if this episode has added value to your life please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives for the time being stay strong and keep fighting the good fight